Hi, and welcome to Progressive Palaver. This is a special concert series episode um, where Paul and I discuss the recent Toad the Wet Sprocket show that I got to attend at the House of Blues in Dallas. We hope you enjoy. We're here right now in the few minutes before before we can begin for the the full episode to discuss the Toad the Wet Sprocket show that I had the opportunity to attend uh, Thursday of this past week at the House of Blues in Dallas. Mm. And, you know, full disclosure for our listening audience, Paul and I discussed this show yesterday in great length. And thanks to the joy of technical difficulties, um, we didn't really capture all of that conversation. Um, it might be kind of fun, honestly, at some point, just to edit out all the blank spaces and just have a running commentary from you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that would be fun or not. I don't know. I'll, I'll, if I ever have any free time, I'll, I'll see if that's interesting. And if it is, I'll throw it out as a bonus episode. <laughs> I, I thought it might, it might be fun if you tried to just, uh, you know, have a conversation with me that you know that I have previously recorded, and then like try to work work off of it. Yeah, like how people do on on the radio when they've got you know like sound bites, and they have to sort of act like they're setting up a question, and then they hit play. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll see what we can do about that. But in the meantime, we've got we've got about thirty minutes, and so I thought it you know it it's it, it that show and our conversation was certainly good enough to, I think, you know, go back in and, and try to cover some of the points that we covered. Because, um, you know, I had, I had never seen Toad the Wet Sprocket, and I don't exactly know how I've gotten to this stage in my life and having liked Toad as much as I do and not seen them live. But I hadn't. And mm-hmm. so the opportunity arose, and I... I took advantage. I'm like, I need to go see this band. Now, you know, part of that, and I think part of it has to do with, I guess, Toad took a a hiatus for a while in between, um, what was it, Coil and is Constellation the name of the album they released in 2013? Uh, I believe it is um, New Constellation? New Constellation. New Constellation. Yes. So, honestly, I'd never even heard New Constellation. Um, And so, basically, you know, I went in, I have Pale, I have Fear, I have Dulcinea, and I have Coil. I don't have their first one. I don't even know the name of it. It's something and something. And I hadn't heard New Constellation. And I had only had a chance to listen to what I'll call the big three, which are Fear, Dulcinea, and Coil, once through before the show. So I, I went in sort of anxious, if that's the right word, that I, I wasn't prepared for the show. And, of course, you know, as as luck would have it, they, they came right out of the gate with a song I had no idea what it was. And turns out it's called The Moment. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, sometimes when you go to see a band like that and, and you don't know all of the songs and... You know, they, they play things that you haven't heard before. You're kind of like staring off into space going, uh, I don't know. But 
as luck would have it with this, um, you know, I was able to get right into into this song that I hadn't heard before. It was it was extraordinary. I mean, it was it was toad music, and yeah. you know, one of the things that we had covered before was how good this uh, this concert sounded. The sound was just phenomenal, and you know, I was like, all right, I'm in, I'm sold. And yeah. so, you know, it, 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 my immediate reaction from that was, I really need to get, you know, this, this other album and, and see what this is all about. Cause it, you know, it sounds like toad music. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think that, you know, you know, we talked about the idea that possibly Code the Wet Sprocket, you know, were the, um, one of the contributors to the origins of what we now take for granted as Americana, even though I don't really know what that is. Um, but it's, it, you know, this is, they're very natural sounding. It's plugged into a, a great amp with a little overdrive and, you know, that's what it sounds like. And so um, it's, it's cool to hear. Well, I guess my uh, volume control didn't work there on my phone. <laughs> so much for that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it, it makes sense that their sound would tra translate to, um, to, uh, to that live, and I'm, I'm just thrilled to hear that it, that it was so good. And I know we covered this at the end, but let's talk about the drummer now. Yeah, I was, it was funny because, you know, here again, you know, you and I, you know, we're sort of in the same place because I was thinking about, about that as we're talking about this. And in fact, I was telling the story today about watching that drummer. And, you know, it was one of those things where, honestly, I didn't even know the names of the guys when I went to the show. I, I knew yeah. Glenn Phillips and that was it. Um, but the, the drummer's name is, is Randy Gus, I guess, or I guess that's how you say it. And, you know, I had a dude sitting in front of me who had, he was taller than I was and had a particularly large head. And so Glenn Phillips was pretty much eclipsed for most of the show. But I did have a great view of of Dean and Randy, um, mm. the bass player and the drummer, and luckily, you know, the the drummer is one of these guys where he's got this very sort of low configured kit, so you, you can see everything that's going on. And I was mesmerized by this guy. Um, you know, he he plays the shit out of stuff, but he does it in such a way that it just looks effortless. It was yeah. really it was fun to watch. It is fun to watch. And I was telling you how I watched it on a YouTube uh, live show with um, my friend Dave DeWitt, who is the uh, composer of the Progressive Palaver theme. And um, he, uh, we, were, we were sitting there and he like pulled the video up and he was like, because he was the one that told me about New Constellations uh, three, like two years after it came out. And we were just sitting there marveling at how like incredible he was playing, and yet it looked like he was, it was like an afterthought to him. It was just so effortless and and so uh, so soft. Yeah. So right. um, they so blow I, through the movement, and you're like, okay, this is going to be a night of Toad the Wet Sprocket songs that I've never heard. Right, and 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 that was my fear, and I was going to be overmatched, if you will, by this. And uh, from there, they went into whatever I fear. Now. I am a monster, we had we had obviously had a lot of of talk involving coil 
in the lead up to this this show. And in fact, yeah. we've had a lot of talk involving Coil over the years. Yes, we um, have. And you know, I, I maybe we'll we'll leave some of the suspense for our listening audience, not knowing exactly when we will get to cover Toad the Wet Sprocket. But suffice it to say that one of our members is steadfastly not impressed by the genius that is Coil. And um, I personally was hoping that they would do a lot of Coil on this, you know, at this show. And as it turned out, they did, uh, what did we figure out, Paul, five songs from Coil that they did in this set? Five or six, I can't remember now. I think it was five. And... uh, yeah, so I was I was very very happy. So yeah, second song out, you know, whatever I fear, which is, you know, it's just it, it's 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 a perfect example of why Coil is is such a, a great record. Um, yeah. So I, I was you know, all of my fears sort of evaporated at that point because, you know, I'd heard something from Coil and I had heard this. Uh, you know, this new song that worked out very, very well. So, you know, it, the rest of the night was like, let's just enjoy it. Love it. How and, did that start, by the way? Did they start with the cool feedback of the guitar? Or did he just start with the acoustic guitar, whatever I fear? I want to say, I, I say that they did the cool um, feedback part, which I was like, oh. Awesome. There you go. I mean, honestly, you know, uh, they're all of their renditions. um, Most of their renditions, let's put it that way, were were very, very true to the recording, um, albeit in a very, you know, sort of relaxed and and open way. There were a couple of songs um, roundabout in the middle, and I'm trying to think of which ones they were. Um, where they they sort of switched them up a little bit, but for the most part, they were you know if it was if it was what's on the record, that's what they did. And you know, I'd also made the comment to you how amazing it was as I'm you know because you've seen me at shows, so I, I use my phone and the little notes there to copy down the set list. Um, uh. Just you know, this was before I realized that setlist.fm existed. Um, and I wanted to be able to uh, to remember these things. And, and once I start a habit like that, I can't seem to stop. That's okay. So, it's good because you actually have to wait for someone to update the set list on Setlist FM. Yeah. If they don't, you're you're out of luck. So I was I was I was amazed at how many songs were going into the set list because you know our experiences recently having seen you know, yes, performed three times. And even before that, I think that the last, um, I think the last concert I had seen even before that was yes in Austin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you throw in a couple of 20 minute songs or a song, you know, a, a five minute song with a, with a four minute wank session in it. You don't get yeah. a whole lot of songs in a set. Um, whereas Toad the Wet Sprocket, you know, they've got their three and a half, four minutes. Bang, they're on to the next one. And so nice. they, you know, they played a lot of songs. In fact, looking at this, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen songs in the main set and three for yeah. the encore. So, you know, that's 
it's a lot of songs. But it was great. So they it's did um, a little bit more than one set for an F and Z acoustic duo show right there. Oh, is that is that what it is? <laughs> Just about. <laughs> so um so yeah, I mean, it, and and like I said, the sound was great throughout. One of the things that was amazing <laughs> was Glenn would switch back and forth between an electric and an acoustic, and I could hear the acoustic perfectly. Which, you know, uh, how often does that happen? And when we were talking about, um, yes, you know, we were given we were giving John a little grief about whatever it was he was doing with an acoustic guitar, so he may not have even been playing um, at that point, but. But I think the the point is still made that, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it, it's difficult to hear, um, you know, acoustics in that sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And then they dialed in a few uh, a few other new ones in there, right? Yeah, they did. So. Um, They did, um, let me see, let me pull up my list here. So they did Whatever I Fear, All I Want, and Crowing. So basically, you know, they, they covered the, uh, the big three. And then they went into a set of three songs that I was not familiar with, including California Wasted, which was very, very good. Architect of the Ruin, which I can't say I can recall off the top of my head, but God, I love that title. I think it's spectacular. Nice. And, yeah. and Amnesty, which was a song that is on Glenn's recently released, I guess, solo album, okay. which I haven't looked into. And that brings me to another thing which I didn't know when I went to the show, and that was there is another album out by a band called Lapdog, which, oh, right. ha- which happens to be the band minus Glenn Phillips. And honestly, I, you know, you would think in the in the 36 hours since we recorded this the first time that I would have gone out and done a little bit of research to figure out when Lapdog was was released. And I have not done that. So that's about- something that's something that I'm very, very curious about. I wonder if Lapdog is like a whole song. Of or a whole album full of crazy lives. Yeah, I, I don't know, and I'll be curious to see. Um, yeah, I guess I I guess Todd the guitarist sings on that one, but I I don't know that for a fact. That would that would be my guess. Yeah, yeah. But that that is definitely something. Like I said, I was not aware of, and I. I want to I want to learn more about obviously. Mm. But but there again so there's this stretch of three songs that I had never heard before but it didn't matter it was all good loved it it was you know just as good as as the moment. And from there they went back into um you know sort of the the stuff from the big 3. So we have windmills and fly from heaven um good intentions which you know not that was on the uh, uh their greatest hits wasn't it or something like that um you know what that's on and it's actually interesting i don't even think that's listed on this on the um 
the Wikipedia page. It's on, they had like this bizarro um, release called, um, I'm just looking for it now, In Light Syrup. <laughs> and it was like a bunch of like stuff, I guess, that just somewhere d between Fear and Dulcinea never made it. And, um, or maybe between Pale and Fear never made it. So I don't know. Um, mm. But there are some interesting songs on there, and that's one of them. Yeah, Good Intentions is on there. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, whatever. It was it was there. And then they did um, Desire, which, oh, okay. Now we're back that's in. into the, the meat of all the good stuff. Um, you know, we're, we're back into Coil. And I want to say, at some point in here, they announced that Coil either was or would be turning 21. And Ooh. so they were, they were sort of, you know, celebrating that a little bit, which was funny given the fact that the poster that I bought, signed by three of them, not four of them, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure how that happened. Um, but the poster that I got was for the 25th anniversary of fear. So, you know, I don't know, go figure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Boy, we feel old. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Right. So from, uh, from desire or from don't fade, or, yeah, I'm sorry, from Desire, they went into Don't Fade. And, and I believe I had sent you a, a short yeah. recording from Don't Fade because it was so well done. Leave me well Don't clear my way It's fascinating How the powder can stay upon your Sometimes those sort of at what I'll call atmospheric songs, you know, sometimes they don't translate well mm. in into the live setting. But 
you know, obviously everything that, that Toad did was wonderful. And then, you know, when they, they finish up, don't fade by going into this, this section from it's, uh, it's Pink Floyd's breathe, right? Yeah. talk about you know my brain exploding at that point because then mm-hmm. you know it, it it wasn't really anything that i expected to hear and um yeah it was it was so cool so i'm sitting there and you know i i recorded my short snippet of of don't fade and was very pleased and i had just you know put my phone down so I could enjoy the rest of, of the performance because anything having to do with coil, I think is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sitting there in, in my chair and I've got, I've got the shirt that I bought and the poster like gently folded over once in my lap. And, you know, so I'm trying to manage all of this and they break into this Pink Floyd section. And initially it's like, oh, wait a second, they're doing Pink Floyd. Holy shit. <laughs> And then the next thought is, holy shit, Paul's got to hear this. Uh, <laughs> so I've got to like, I've got to grab the phone and not throw everything else on the floor and, uh, and try to get a snip of that. So that's why there's only a little bit of that. But it was, it was unexpected and so cool. Oh, it was really, really something. Yeah, that was a very, very cool, um, you know, and the way text messages are, you know, you said, and, um, you said something like, and, and wait to see how they ended it. And I, was, I wasn't I was sure how long it was going to take until the actual yeah. video came through. And uh, <laughs> certainly, certainly that in itself kind of blew me away a little bit. I, I, I think I would have lost it had I been there. That's just terrific. Yeah, it, it really, really was. And, um, and so then they, they, um, they finish up this sort of trio Honest, ironically, a trio of songs that start with D from Coil. Right. Who they do uh, "Damn Would Break." favorite songs off coil Mm. and so yeah i very much uh very much enjoyed that that was that was just an exceptional exceptional section of of the show and of course i I couldn't help but um 
but think about the conversations that we had had, you know, the week prior concerning coil. And I was very, very pleased. Nice. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just coughing. Sorry. Okay. And then they, they moved in to come back down from pale, which was yep. very nice of them to do something from pale. And, um, yeah, there was one, there was, a, there was a dude who was down on the floor who I guess had been screaming out song titles all night from, from pale and the first album. And so when Glenn introduced this, he's like, you know, for the dude who's been calling out, the, you know, <laughs> <laughs> songs from these two albums, here's one for you. And I, I don't know if, if come back down was the, the one he was looking for, but it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was great. I really liked it. And then, you know, then things, they, they really ramped it up a notch. You know, at this point, I am completely satisfied. I, I you know, I, I, I went to this show by myself. I'm sitting there with my phone taking notes and, and everything else and just sort of sucking up into my own little toad world. And literally, I, you know, I don't know that they could have done anything that would have made me happier, except, you know, there's more, they're smarter than I am, I guess. Yeah, and they 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 broke um, they broke into Nightingale song, which just floored me. Um, you know, and, and I think we talked about this yesterday. I don't. If you would ask me, you know, of all the songs that they'll probably never perform live, I probably would have put Nightingale song at the top of that list. It just didn't seem to me to be something that, you know they could or would want to necessarily pull off live. And not only did they pull it off spectacularly, um, they had that, that super great sort of drum trio at the end, um, which, was, which was just amazing. Um, having, you know, you and I having recently had the experience um, of seeing ARW where they, they sort of ramped that up and do something somewhat similar with, with Trevor um on on awaken it was it was again it was just sort of unexpected to see that and i'll, I'll recount the story quickly because i think it's it, it was just funny to me again i had this dude sitting in front of me with this big, big head so i couldn't really see glenn i could see todd if i turned and really tried to look at him so i really spent most of the night um checking out dean and randy and i'm i'm in you know the they're, they're finishing up this song, and I'm, I'm really just digging it, and it's fantastic. And, you know, right near where the song should be ending, um, Dean takes off his bass. And I'm like, why is he taking off his bass? And, he, you know, so I'm just, I'm watching him. I'm, I'm kind of, like, losing sight of everything else. And he walks back to the drum kit and picks up a pair of sticks. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then... Um, and then I look, and Glenn has come in from the other side, and the three of them, you know, finish up Nightingale's song on the drums. I think I sent you that clip as well. 
because it was just you know completely completely unexpected but totally totally freaking cool yeah the um the video that you sent me was uh awesome and it was it would have been so cool to see it happen like that um but totally unexpected nightingale song and then a massive drum solo like that that's pretty sweet pretty sweet and and it brings into you know that was that was the only part of the night where you know there was any sort of of wankage um there was there was no three minute guitar solo um in a you know where it didn't belong there was there was nothing like that they like i said they, they come out they play their songs if if a solo is part of the song, it gets played. If it's not, it doesn't happen. That was really the only major departure that they did. And, you know, the fact that it was cool and unexpected was nice. And so, you know, I think they, they can kind of get away with it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And like we said before, there really just is not a lot of room for wanking around, you know, anymore. Like, we just don't need to see it. Somebody needs to take a break. Like figure it out another way. So it's, I'm glad. I'm glad that they're no nonsense, and it was cool that they did that. Thank yeah, you, sir. Yeah, they 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 really did. And uh, oh, that looks good. So then you know they they ramped it up another notch because they played another song that you know I I tend to not think about, um, but I really really like, and that is Crazy Life, and they did oh, yeah. it really really well so you know at this point i was like all right you know how how could this get any better and um they moved on to um something's always wrong and then they finished up the main set with fall down which you know and we talked about this yesterday as well you know toad while you know they can be sort of atmospheric and and they can they can be sort of americana or whatever at the same time, if they want to just sort of kick ass and rock out, they can do that. And I think Fall Down's a good example of that. And um, yeah, so you know that was that was the main set. It was it was exceptional. Did they do the whole running off stage, waiting for the audience to clap for them for five minutes before they came back on uh, for the encore? It, it, was, it wasn't five minutes, but yeah, they did. They uh, they ran off stage. That was my favorite thing about Barry Manilow. Like, you almost couldn't even tell. Um, only because I knew what his encore songs were in advance. Like, he literally, they, you know, every ending of his songs were, like, just, like, these big, giant, dramatic yeah. endings. And so everybody's clapping at the end of every single one, and he just, like, bows and runs off the stage. And it's almost like the band almost started playing immediately right after he left the <laughs> stage, and then they started the encore. <laughs> No, they uh, they they cleared the stage and then they uh, they came back out for their their three song encore and it was it was weird because they they came out and they're talking about you know Roger Miller and this that and the other thing and there was going to be or there was there there is some sort of you know compilation album with all these fantastic country people and them and they went into this song, Nothing Can Stop My Love, which apparently was written by Roger Miller. And it was a very countryish song, which I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. Right. Um, you know, and, and you know, at this point, like I said, it's like counting cards in, in Vegas. Walk on the Ocean had to show up here at the end of the show because they hadn't played uh, it yet. 
and there was nothing, you know, it, they have to play that song. If they haven't played it already It's you know, and you're in the encore, you can pretty much bet that, you know, that's going to finish up the show. And so I was anticipating that. And once again, they totally surprised me by going from this, you know, country cover song, which I didn't know anything about, to I will not take these things for granted. Mm. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Spectacular. Um, because that, you know, that's that's one of my, uh, just mm. one of my favorite, favorite yeah. toads. And then, uh, and then from there, they, they went on to walk on the ocean, as you would expect. And at that point, really, the only question that we had was, would they finish the song with the extra chorus or not? Because as we all know, um, on the Fear album itself, Walk on the Ocean just has that sort of hard ending at the end of, of that verse. And, right. But the, the, the radio edit has you know the the chorus stuck on the end and it was so i at this point you know as soon as they started it and even even before then like i said when they came out for the encore and hadn't played it yet i was already asking myself this question because i'm just that weird and you know they must know that people are asking this question and, and they seem to have a little fun with it because they got to the end of that last verse and i swear they held it for you know just like a couple of beats, and then they went back into the chorus. So you're just like you're hanging on the edge, going, "Are they? Are they? Oh, yes, they are." And, oh, I wonder if there's ever any nights where if there's a cue and they don't they don't do it. You know, that would be amazing. Because like, no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say like Glenn Phillips like holds up his left hand, <laughs> and then that means they're going to do the chorus. And then every once in a while, he holds up his right hand, and they say, okay, we'll just end there. Well, I mean, you know, and you and I had talked about this. It, it, it's almost ridiculous, to, you know, much like you couldn't have a radio single with, with the ending that's on the album. You almost can't end a show without, you know, going back to the chorus, because it just it sort of naturally lends itself to that. But if they hadn't, and they had just done the hard stop at the end of, the, uh, of that verse... I would have been really impressed, you know, to yeah. have the creative balls to, to do that. But, you know, you and I had also discussed maybe the song always had the extra chorus and some genius producer said, you know, it'll be awesome if we just stop it right here. Yeah. Because we don't Who know. Knows? We don't know. Maybe Nobody. someday, maybe we'll be able to get some of the band members on the Toad the Wet Sprocket episodes and they can help us understand that. That would be awesome. So I want to very quickly talk about um, the opening dude. Yeah. And that was uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Kingham. And that's King Ham. And we still need to look up. Apparently his logo is a ham wearing a crown, which I need to see it. It sounds pretty awesome. So he came out. He was the opening act, and I had no idea who he was. Um, but he, he was hilarious. Oh my God, his his sort of banter in between songs was extraordinarily understated, but funny <laughs> as shit. Huh. He was great. And he played, I want to say, five or six different songs. Um, you know, one of them was about chicken, which is kind of funny. And uh, you know, I, I do have I do have a clip of one of his 
his spiels where he introduces the song after the chicken song and he says something like you know oh, this is a song i wrote about my friend's wife and he's like well, that doesn't sound right <laughs> <laughs> and um you know so he was he was just he was he was hilarious and then he broke into um well i guess the the last song he did was a song called grace i believe where glenn came out and sang it with him which was was very cool but the song before that, and I, I played you this on the uh, on yesterday, and we can just put it in. Oh yeah, um, into the episode. He, you know, he starts talking about Bobby Brown, and I'm like, he's not, he's not. But oh yes, he did. And not uh-huh. only did he play Bobby Brown's "Every Little Step," which was very very cool. In the middle of it, he he did this breakdown. And he went into, it must have been a minute and a half or two minute long freestyle, um, you know, going over, you know, literally people in the audience and things that had happened to him that, I mean, it was amazing. I couldn't, I couldn't just, I was just flabbergasted with the way he pulled that off. It was really quite impressive. And so, you know, I was, you know, he, he goes off and... And they're doing the changeover on the stage. And, you know, I can figure it out. I know there are four guys in the band. There's the drums. There's another riser in the back next to the drums that has a little tiny concertmate keyboard on it and a couple other things. And then there are three microphones stations up front. So I'm like, what's the deal? So when Toad comes out, Jonathan Kingham is, you know, the hired gun. He's, he's you know, guy number five. He's the utility player. Right. And they put him back on this little thing, and, you know, he did whatever needed to be done. So he's playing the little keyboard occasionally. He uh, he did a, a rockin', rockin' mandolin solo on, um, I guess it was, I Will Not Take These Things For Granted, which you could hear oh. perfect, much like the acoustic nice. guitar. And he played a lot of lap steel. So, um, you know, it was it was pretty damn impressive, all things considered. He's like the Billy Sherwood of Toad the Wet Sprocket. He is like the Billy Sherwood of Toad the Wet Sprocket, but he's not nearly as... Oh, I can't even say it. Oh, come on. Be nice. Be nice. (laughs) I will. I'll be nice. Um, He did not elicit the same sort of visceral reaction from me as as Billy Sherwood does. So we need to finish this up because we need to bring the other guys on on board um, for right. the regular episode that we're about to do. But I did want to touch quickly. You had asked me a question. Um, you, asked me, you asked me a, a few questions yesterday, but there was one in particular that I wanted, I want to address and revisit here quickly in, in just a minute. And, and that has to do with, you know, whether or not Toad belongs in this genre is Toad the Wet Sprocket oh. progressive, Right. Right. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you've had any, any thoughts on, on the subject since we talked about this yesterday, but, you know, my, my initial answer was, in the strictest sense, I think the answer is no, and they were included on the original list of, of albums to be discussed on Progressive Palaver, because I think certainly the, the, the big three albums are phenomenal. And, you know, 
most of us really, really enjoy Toad the Wet Sprocket, and those those albums have great songs, and I think there is, um, you know, a lot to talk about there. And so I thought it would make for for good episodes, and so that's why I included them. And one of the things that I've, I've sort of come to think since then, and we haven't talked about this, and I don't know how you probably would, you know, defining what is progressive music, but one of the aspects of it would certainly be, you know, uh, the ability of the music and the lyrics to sort of take you somewhere else or show you something else. Um, and, and I think that, that Toad is able to do that. And, and musically they do it. Um, they don't do it, obviously, in the same sort of way that maybe a true progressive uh, band does, but, but they do do that. But a lot of it has to do, I think, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion now of, of Glenn's lyrics. And, and Glenn as a lyricist is just um, phenomenal. And, and, but I, I don't know if you had any thoughts on the, you know, are Toad or is Toad, you know, progressive music since I, I, we talked I'm about it. pretty happy with where we landed uh, yesterday in that I, I, I agree with you. I think that they're, you know, on the face, face value, they're not progressive rock. Um, but I find, at least I believe, that those who appreciate and like progressive rock probably can find a pretty warm spot for Toad the Wet Sprocket. I think that people who like progressive rock music like listening to Toad the Wet Sprocket. And I will say, when they were, you know, they had their, you know, they were big in 1991 to 1998 and in retrospect um bands breaking through during that time were among the least of the favorites of mine of all time um and and uh, although there i mean don't get me wrong there's there are some great stuff going on in that time and i i had plenty to listen to but there like toad was different from everything else they weren't grunge they weren't sort of like grungy rock they weren't like classic rock wannabes or post 80 hair band whatever they were and they weren't alternative uh they right. were they were totally different and you know from that perspective they were they were um you know ultimately you could make an argument that they were the vanguards of of what is now um americana whatever the hell that is uh, so I think from that perspective, they definitely, you know, in that what I'll call cesspool of 90s music <laughs> popular, you know, they definitely progressed this. Hey, let's just plug in our guitars and play some acoustics and sing vocal harmonies and write really good lyrics. And they they really did move that forward into, you know, I think a genre that we all enjoy today. So from that perspective. You know, maybe you can make a little argument that they're 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 progressive, but certainly to your point, lyrically, you know, you can put you can put Glenn Glenn his lyrics up against anything. Yeah, he's uh, he's really really good, and um, you know we've we've already gone on too long, but one one other quick note I want to make that I wasn't aware <laughs> of this dude who was calling for songs from Pale in the first record all night long. At one point, he called out for Corporal Brown, and Glenn kind of stops and and makes the, the the note that he's he's generally happy that a lot of the lyrics that he wrote when he was sixteen and seventeen 
don't sound like they were written by a 16 and 17 year old, with the exception of Corporal Brown. He said Corporal Brown was a piece of shit. Uh, that's and, awesome. Uh, and he he gave Todd credit. He's like Todd wrote the music. The music's great. It's like but the lyrics are no good. And uh, and and Todd was like, I didn't know. That's why you didn't like the song. So um, you know, but I, I hadn't realized that they were that young when they started. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So. You know, that's that makes it even more impressive, I guess. All right. So this will uh, this will cover our special concert series on Toad the Wet Sprocket. I will have another one in now about a week and a half when uh, Tori Amos comes to town. Very yes. Interested, very interested in that. And uh, hopefully we'll get back together and talk about that a little bit. And now we're going to stop this recording and we're going to add in a bunch of people to this call and we're going to talk. Some dog man. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Progressive Palaver. We certainly enjoy um, sharing our thoughts with you and look forward to getting your feedback on our thoughts and comparing notes. So, as always, we are available on Twitter. You can tweet us at progpala. We have email at uh, progpala at gmail.com. We are available on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, all of those at Progressive Palaver. And um, the episodes themselves are available on both iTunes and Google Play, and we are posted on SoundCloud. So, please look for us there as well.